Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, well, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Rees listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off, visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction and I read it to you. And the only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will, too. Y'all may remember a really fantastic story from a few months ago with a truly fabulous title, Playing Nice with God's Bowling Ball by N.K. Jemison. Well, I am pleased to say that we are back with another story by Nora K. Jemison, and I couldn't be more thrilled. As you may know, she is the author of the highly acclaimed and awarded trilogy of novels known collectively as the Broken Earth Trilogy. And this is a story that comes from her most recent collection of short fiction entitled How Long Till Black Future Month. I was primed and ready when this compendium of of science fiction short stories came out, and I, I was not disappointed. I, I highly recommend this anthology. Um, her stories range from the epic to the incredibly intimate, and she does both of those feelings masterfully. This story is called Cuisine des Memoirs, or The Kitchen of Memories, and it is set in one of my favorite places on the planet, and certainly one of my favorite places to eat, New Orleans, Louisiana. And we enter on a dinner being shared by two good friends in a restaurant with a very unique concept. Trust me on this. You have not seen or been to this restaurant before. You might want to start preparing your next meal while you listen to this or at least be ready to eat when you finish because there is some pretty delicious sounding food being described here in. So, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. And begin. Cuisine des Memoirs by N.K. Jemison. The name of the first entree made me groan. La Morte du Marie Antoinette. The menu proclaimed, followed by a list of dishes. Coco Van, Hearthbread, Chateau du Briand Chardonnay of 1789. Final pressing before Monsieur Briand themselves met the guillotine. I looked up at my friend and dining companion, Yvette, who smiled. Now, don't be ornery, Harold. She said, her St. Charles accent stretched now into two distinct syllables and slurred my name into one. I told you to keep an open mind. Oh, my mind is open, I said. Though I'm wondering whether you've lost yours, the final meal of Marie Antoinette. This is a joke, right? 
I'm planning to get that, she said, pointing to another item on my menu. I followed her finger and saw, on the occasion of King Edward VIII of England's announcement to the royal family of his intent to marry Wallace Simpson, even if it meant abdication of the throne. Clear turtle soup, lobster mousse with pecan sauce, roast pheasant, potatoes souffle, mixed greens, fresh pineapple, and toasted cheese savory, coffee, and liqueurs. Well, at least they don't just do executions, I said. Of course not. That would be morbid. And besides, can you imagine what sort of tasteless slop some half-educated trailer trash would ask for? Hot dogs and beans. You mean authentic red beans? I did my best imitation of an Upper West Side yuppie. Trailer trash? Yvette. Really? She rolled her eyes and tapped the menu again. The point is importance, meaning the chance to share in an historic moment, or a moment historic only to you. Use some damn imagination, Harold. If you don't like what's on the menu, then order a custom meal. I flipped to the menu's third page, reading the instructions regarding custom meals. Any meal from any occasion, the caption read. In fine print, restaurant patron must be able to provide the exact date. I set the menu down and rubbed my eyes. All right, I'll admit this is original as jokes go, but it's not very funny. Yvette smiled in that knowing Mona Lisa way that had entranced and infuriated three husbands. Just try it, Harold, she said. It's my treat, after all. If you're disappointed, there's no loss, but I doubt you'll be disappointed. I shook my head. There's nothing special about this food, Yvette. This is someone's idea of a bizarre theme restaurant. Who could possibly know for certain what someone had for dinner 300 years ago? They could make up the menu out of whole cloth and there's nobody to contradict them. A few armchair historians, maybe, but you're right. Her smile never faded. Then what? I broke off as the restaurant's hostess came over. Even if she hadn't been wearing an old-fashioned satin gown, which pushed up her cleavage to a scandalous degree... I would have stared at her, for she was one of the most striking women I'd ever seen. Blonde and freckled, she nevertheless had that distinctive cast to her features that revealed the dollop of African somewhere in her recent ancestry, maybe along with a splash of Native American and a pinch of Spaniard. Bienvenue, she said, with that perfect back-of-the-throat pronunciation which most Americans mangled. Welcome to Maison Laveau. Your server will be with you shortly, in the interim. She carried a clipboard in one hand, which she set down in front of me. Non-disclosure, non-compete, and trademark protection agreement. The recipient, fill-in-the-blank restaurant patron, will not, without prior written approval of the Maison Laveau, or an authorized representative thereof, disclose or in any other way make known, reveal, report, publish, or transfer to any person, firm, corporation, or utilize for competitive or any other purpose, any secret information. That was as far as my eyes got before my mind snapped back into place. I looked up at the woman in pure disbelief. If you please she said with a gracious smile. We prefer to grow our clientele gradually and selectively. Do you honestly mean to say... I could barely keep myself from spluttering. You mean to say I can't tell anyone about this place? Oh, no, she said. The agreement merely specifies how others can be told. 
Ms. Corazzo has demonstrated our policy perfectly by bringing you here in person so that you may see and judge the experience for yourself. She gave me a smile, the very picture of courtesy. We've found over the years that our uniqueness loses something when described secondhand. I looked down at the contract trying to scan its clauses for pitfalls. And what happens if I sign this and then break the contract? You sue me? She looked momentarily affronted. Sir, this is an establishment of the highest caliber and civilité. Consider it a gentleman's agreement. We assume that you will behave honorably and you may trust that we will do the same. Which told me absolutely nothing I opened my mouth to demand a more detailed explanation, but then Yvette sighed in impatience. Sign it, Harold. Be impulsive for once in your life. What is that supposed to It means whatever you think it means, but remember that this is your birthday gift. Meaning that I was being rude. Since Yvette came from the oldest of old southern blue blood, the kind that didn't tolerate discourtesy, it meant that I damned well better shut up and sign the contract, which I finally did. The hostess gave me a bright smile and whipped the clipboard out of sight. You'll be given a countersigned copy, along with the check. In the meantime, did you have any questions about our establishment? I had plenty, but... I decided to play along. Your menu says you can produce any meal from any occasion. Indeed, sir. Anything? Not just famous events? Provided you give us some details about the event, yes. I sat back grinning in triumph. Like the menu, you mean? Oh, no, sir. Her smile never flagged. We don't need to know the menu, just the location, the date, and approximate time, and the significance of the occasion. Then we produce dishes which are precise replicas of the ones served on that occasion. Replicas. Down to the least spice, sir. Our process even reproduces the exact techniques used to prepare the meal on its original occasion. How much skill did it take to mimic the cooking style of a British royal chef? I couldn't decide whether the notion sounded impressive or ludicrous. As I've said before, sir, the process loses something in description. It's best if you try it for yourself. She smiled and inclined her head to us. Enjoy your evening. She strode gracefully away. Yvette leaned forward, folding her hands on the table. You still think this is some sort of trick? Of course I do. It is. Then give them a challenge, she said. Some meal that was special to you. Maybe something Angelina made. Try it and see how they do. I shook my head. Though her mention of Angelina's cooking had intrigued me, in spite of myself, I was already thinking of ideas. And ruin a perfectly good memory? I don't think so. Do it, she said. I don't want to hear you whining later about smoke and mirrors. You won't believe anything until you've seen it, tasted it for yourself. She smiled. I can't say I blame you. I didn't believe it either the first time I came here, but I do now. In the end, everyone who comes here believes. I looked around the restaurant. The dining room was small, despite its elegance. There were only a handful of tables in the place. It was obvious which of the other patrons were newcomers, like myself, because the repeat customers had the same air of calm anticipation as Yvette. I met the eyes of a young woman who was in the middle of gesticulating at her companion. She gave me a, can you believe this, smile before resuming her argument. 
An older gentleman, as much a racial mishmash as the hostess, I guessed by his look, though less attractively so, came overdressed in an old-fashioned doublet with frilled sleeves peeking out of the cuffs. I hadn't given up on the idea that this was some sort of theme restaurant, but Yvette had already told me that the staff's uniforms were unchanged since the early 1800s when, apparently, the restaurant had been founded. Good evening, monsieur et madame. Would you care for an aperitif? We have a replica of the 1900 Lafitte Rothschild available tonight, perfectly chilled. The last bottle of this was sold to a collector some 80 years ago. This was too much. I'll bite, I said. Let's have the Lafitte. I can at least hope you'll give us a decent, cheap wine that way, though I'm sure you'll slap on some outrageous price for verisimilitude. Harold, Yvette glowered at me. The server smiled. It's all right, madame. We see this all the time. A bottle of the Lafitte, then. And are you ready to order your meal? I'll have the King Edward, Yvette said. I sat back feeling very full of myself. And I will have a custom order, I said. A good friend of mine, ex-wife, actually was a chef, and she prepared a marvelous meal for her certification exam. This would have been exactly ten years ago, December the 18th. I remember because it was the night I proposed to her and the night she served me with divorce papers eight years later. The waiter took note of all this without batting an eyelash. And the location, sir? Right here in this city, over on Royale, at the American National Culinary Institute. Ah, yes, I know the place. Excellent choice, sir. Anything else? I shook my head, amused at how far he was taking it. You're a marvelous actor, my friend. He raised an eyebrow and smiled, coolly professional. Thank you, sir. Anything for you, madame? Some ice for my companion's fat head, Yvette said sweetly. I gave the waiter credit for not laughing. I'll return shortly with your wine. He said, Enjoy your evening at Maison Leroux. The wine threw me first. I dismissed the fact that it came in an ancient looking bottle whose label looked handwritten and whose cork had been sealed with what seemed to be dripped wax. Theatrics, but the wine itself was light. Exquisite and filled with a complexity of flavors that couldn't possibly have come from some grocery aisle bottle. I didn't know if that was the taste of a priceless wine or not, but it was more than worth whatever they charged for it. Then they brought the meal, and at that point I began to wonder if I was losing my mind. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate <laughs> is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. 
I was hours into a hunt for new digs at the local shopping mall and losing steam fast when fate intervened. Drumsticks! Get your drumsticks! Nutty, sweet drumstick! What luck! One drumstick, please. Here you go. This is hot! And made of chicken. I want an ice-cold, creamy, crunchy drumstick Sunday cone. You and me both, buddy. But that's the vendor next door. Drumsticks! But that Get line is shot. three miles long! Oh, well. Another day, another drumstick. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw. I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Now, let's get back to our story. It was the meal. The same meal down to the least spice as the hostess had promised, down to the distinctive Spanish cadi butter that Angelina had always sworn by. Five dishes. Crown roast of pork, broiled merletons filled with a delicate crawfish and rumelade stuffing, honey-poached artichoke hearts, watermelon salad with tomatillo and tamarind, and a selection of petit fours for dessert. I tasted each dish and flinched as every bite awakened a memory. The pork, lying in Angelina's bed while she practiced techniques in the kitchen, filling the apartment with scents that awakened more than one kind of hunger in me. The petty fours. She'd always been so good with sweets. Once we'd made love with a bowl of vanilla anise sugar she'd made. I'd drizzled it between her breasts and been fascinated by the unique taste even as she giggled and wriggled to reach my sugar. We were high on sugar and youth and love, and we'd believed nothing could ever separate us. I looked up at Yvette, who raised her eyebrows pointedly at me. How can this be? I asked. No one knows, she said. They don't tell, and I haven't asked. I stared at her. What did you order the first time? Her smile never faltered, but her gaze grew distant and wistful. I wondered whether she, too, was remembering her first love. That doesn't matter, she said. But I have no doubt that they got it right, because... I was crying by dessert. I want to see the kitchen, I said at the end of the meal. I'm sorry, sir, but that's not permitted, said the hostess. Then I'd like to meet the chef. I'm afraid that can't be done either. I'm very sorry. Leave it, Hal, Yvette said. Do you have to question everything? Not everything, just this. Just the fact that they had perfectly captured the taste of one of the sweetest nights of my life and left my heart aching eight ways to Sunday. There has to be some trick to this, I said. How could they know? How could they get it right? Did you tell them? Of course not. I know you and Angelina met while she was in school, but I didn't know you were even there for her certification exam, and I certainly don't know what you ate. You were friends with her. She must have told you. I was friends with both of you, Yvette replied. But more with you than with her. 
Frankly, I haven't seen her since you two split. And before that, we certainly didn't go gabbing with each other over all and sundry. I think she was always a little suspicious of me. She gave me a wry smile. Yvette and I had been friends since Tulane in one of those bizarre melanges that never seemed to happen outside university walls. The Southern Belle and the New York Jew. Old money and new. Nothing but our souls in common. We'd been close enough to alarm her parents and revolt mine, united by her jaded wit and my cynicism. Our parents needn't have worried. We knew better. We talked to each other about everything. But it wasn't Yvette who had broken up Angelina and me. That had been my fault. How could they know? I asked again. And she sighed and put a hand on mine. Does it really matter, Harold? It's a memory. Did you question it the first time it happened? Then don't question it now. I want to come back here, I said. The hostess gave me a bright smile and opened a heavy book bound in black leather. We have an opening in July. Would you like a reservation? Yes, I'll... I started. It was August. Next year? She nodded, her lovely eyes dark with sympathy. This is another reason we limit our clientele, sir. Very sorry. In the end, I took the reservation. Yvette was pleased. She thought I wanted to bring someone else here, and she needled me to find out who. The truth was that I had no plans to bring anyone else. I just wanted to see the place again, get another chance at fathoming its secret. The hunger to know burned in me, right alongside the warm satisfaction of the meal itself, and underneath all All of that lay anger. It was irrational anger, I knew. Someone had looked into my heart and found a long-forgotten moment of love, plucked it forth and dusted it off and polished it up and shoved it back in, sharp and shiny and powerful as it had been on the day the memory was made. But I didn't have Angelina anymore. And that turned the memory from sweetness into one of pain. So, I had to know how they'd done it. That was why, when the server returned to inquire whether we needed anything, I smiled up at him and asked, Where's your restroom? The bathroom was as quaint as the rest of the place. Wood-paneled, containing a side-by-side toilet and bidet and an enormous porcelain sink in the style of Louis XIV's Versailles. Though, of course, it had to be a replica as well. I was tempted to try the bidet just for kicks, but I had more important experiments to undertake, so I slipped out of the bathroom as quietly as I could. Yvette suspected what I was up to. It hadn't been difficult to read her face while the server gave me instructions to reach the men's room. But she said nothing, merely sighing and shaking her head as I walked away. There was a part of me which worried whether our friendship would survive this night. Jaded or not, Yvette had a powerful sense of propriety and I was testing its limits. I knew, but I had no choice. I had to know. The bathroom was at the end of a narrow, dimly lit corridor and around the corner from the dining room. At the far end of the corridor was a spiral staircase leading down. That in itself was suspicious. Even in the 1800s, New Orleans had been New Orleans, where the dead could not be buried below ground and dowsers ran mad in white linen, and basements were as mythical 
as unicorns. I lurked in the corridor a while, pretending to fumble for a cigarette as another waiter came up the steps with a heavy tray balanced on the fingertips of one hand. As soon as he'd gone around the corner to the dining room, I crept to the staircase and hurried down. I could hear the sounds of a busy kitchen below, clanking plates and sizzling food, and orders being called back and forth in a barely intelligible dialect. Were there four chefs? Five? My heart began to pound as I descended the stairs, and the light brightened around me. They would see me the moment I reached the bottom of the stairwell. I would tell them I had gotten lost, looking for the bathroom. Very sorry, you understand. I reached the bottom step, and silence fell. The kitchen was empty. I blinked, unsure of my eyes for a moment. When I opened them, I saw what I had before, a stainless steel, perfectly modern industrial kitchen, so spick and span that its every surface gleamed, and It was completely empty. There were no chefs at work, though I knew I'd heard voices. There were no plates half-filled, no pans sizzling over, leaping flames. There were no flames. If this kitchen had ever been used, there was no sign of it. I took a step forward, and the kitchen changed Where there had been bright light and gleaming antiseptic surfaces, now basket-crowded shelves lined sooty stone walls. The only light in the place came from a few candles and a briskly burning fire at the hearth. Hearth? Nearby. Where there had been a starkly empty chamber, now three men bustled frantically about a claustrophobic kitchen, one of them shouting orders in French. True French, not the New Orleans patois, at two others who hastened to obey. The pan that he moved back and forth over a black iron stove was aflame, its ingredients filling the air with the aroma of garlic and cilantro and perhaps brandy? What? It was the most intelligent question I could come up with. Who? The chefs ignored me. They were too busy. Where had the steel kitchen gone? What had just happened? I would have to brave the head chef's wrath for answers, so I took another step forward, intending to touch the man on the shoulder. But as my foot touched the floor tiles, the kitchen changed again. And this time, I stiffened in shock so profound that if I'd been an orthodox man, I would have said God had tapped me on the shoulder. The stainless steel kitchen had returned, though it was not the same kitchen I had seen first. The configuration was different. The tiny part of me that paid attention to such irrelevancies recognized the place. The examination kitchen of the American National Culinary Institute. Angelina stood at a counter, tipping the bones of a crown roast with paper frills. All around her lay the signs of a massive culinary undertaking. Emptied pots, a plate of stuffed merletons lacking only garnish, a genoise sheet cake drizzled with amaretto liqueur, a mixer holding a bowl of what looked like fondant icing. Angelina's brow was furrowed with concentration, her movements brisk yet controlled, her face taught with that strange intensity that I knew so well. Back during our marriage, she had gotten that look with me sometimes. I'd been unnerved by it at first. Was I the right man for her? Did it bother her that I was losing my hair? Until I'd finally recalled seeing the same look on her face when she made her best dishes. 
It was a look she devoted to the most important parts of her life. So many questions flooded my mind as I watched her move about the kitchen. How had she gotten here? How long had she been working in this strange place? She'd become head chef at Commander's Palace Restaurant two years before. Her work was already keeping her from me for more hours than I liked. The new job would have meant seeing her only on her days off and maybe a few minutes in the evening before bed. I'd put my foot down. If you love me, you won't take that job, I'd said. And she had said, You've never understood me. Angelina, I want to understand you, I whispered. Two years unraveled in my mind. I was there on that fateful night again, demanding that she choose between her calling and me, never realizing that even to ask was to tear her in two. That had been the end of the marriage, though it limped along another six months after that. I didn't understand. You were right, but I want to try again. Please, sweetheart, I just want to say I'm sorry. I stepped forward again, and she vanished. The empty, antiseptic kitchen returned. Sir, it was the hostess. I turned to see her standing at the foot of the steps, her beautiful face a study in disappointment. You should not be here. Angelina. It was a plea. Disappointment turned to pity, and the hostess sighed, coming forward to take my hands. Just a moment in time, sir. If you tried to touch her, she would vanish. If you spoke, she did not hear. We can only recapture the past in the merest slivers, a taste and nothing more. You could stay here and watch her make your meal over and over again, but what good would that do? Come. She pulled me back toward the spiral staircase. I was terrified to lift my feet again, but nothing happened when I finally did. Somehow, the hostess held me in the present. I did not know whether to be relieved or disappointed by that. What is this place? I asked. My voice shook. Just a restaurant, she replied with a smile. But what I saw. Ah, that, she said. I must remind you of the agreement you signed, sir. You've done no harm by this, except perhaps to yourself. But please remember, every good restaurant has its secrets. Some of my shock was fading. A flicker of the old skepticism returned. Is that a threat? She stopped at the top of the steps and looked at me in pure wonder. Sir, the agreement? is for your protection as much as ours. Or does it not occur to you how others will react if you tell them what you just saw? I stopped short and stared at her. There was genuine concern in her manner, and she was right, of course, because even in New Orleans, no one really believed in voodoo or time slips or whatever the hell simmered in the kitchen of the Maison Laveau. One of the oldest insane asylums in the country was just a little ways up the river, after all. Now, come, she said, taking my hand again and patting it in that familiar, motherly, southern manner. You've left your lady friend waiting all this time. That's 
Most unkind of you, sir. She's been worried. Worried? I doubted that. Furious was far more likely. Still, I followed the hostess back to the dining room, bracing myself. That was when I had yet another shock, for the relief that flowed into Yvette's face made me realize that she had indeed been worried rather than angry. I sat down across from her again and could not meet her eyes for shame. Shall I bring the check, madame? The hostess asked. Please, Yvette said. When the hostess left, she sighed and shook her head at me. You're a fool, Harold. I'm sorry, I said. In hindsight, my earlier anger seemed like a fever dream. I couldn't believe I'd been so inconsiderate. Will this hurt your standing with the restaurant? Probably not, she said. Yours either. But that's the least of the problem, Harold. Do you have any idea what could have happened to you? Visions of the police escorting me out of the restaurant and right into involuntary commitment went through my mind. Visions of Yvette scorning me thereafter, which could still happen, I knew, followed. I'm sorry, I said again, knowing that it was wholly inadequate. I just... Had to know. People can get lost in their memories, Harold, she said. You're worse at it than anyone else I know. Angelina's alive right here in this city, and all you've ever had to do was call her. But what do you do? You go looking for the Angelina you lost years ago. I don't know what to do with you. The male server swept by and deposited the bill so smoothly that I hardly even noticed. Yvette picked it up, scribbled something on the slip, and handed me the envelope containing my NDA photocopy. (sighs) Let's go. I got up and held her coat for her taking it as a small, positive sign that she deigned to let me drape it over her shoulders. Still, she wasn't going to let me forget this for quite some time, and I couldn't really say I blamed her. She'd given me the most amazing birthday gift in the world, and I'd tried to take it apart to see how it worked. Still... If you could only have seen it, Yvette, I said as we walked to the door. I was conscious of the servers moving past us and the hostess up ahead. I kept my voice low. The kitchen. It's the most amazing thing. Don't tell me, she said. I want to keep my memories sweet. Until July, sir? said the hostess as we left. Au revoir. Yvette eventually forgave me, although it took some doing. In the end, I had to offer her something of value equal to my insult. An introduction, in this case, to a wealthy and recently widowed gentleman client of mine. Last I heard, they were planning a vacation together in Monaco. It kept at me, though, the things she'd said and the hostess's pity. Was it really wrong of me to remember the past fondly? It wasn't. Of course it wasn't. But the past was an easy meal, after all. I could taste it again any time I wanted in memory, and it would always be perfect and true. The here and now, though, had no recipe. It might be sour or bitter or raw. 
yet. In July, I canceled my reservation to the Masson Laveau. And in August, I gave Angelina a call. If you don't already know, N.K. Jemison is one of my favorite writers of the modern era. Um, her ascendancy on the scene in speculative fiction has been nothing short of meteoric. She's amazingly talented, and um, and this is this is just an inkling of the depth of this woman's gift. Cuisine de memoir. Uh, so inventive a story. I mean, just start with the premise, right? Being able to experience a past moment or feeling through a meal, you know? What a fantastical idea. And she executes it so brilliantly. She draws you right into this story. I mean, here we are sitting in this place with these two people having this dinner, and it turns out to be, I mean, it starts off innocently enough, but it turns into something that I didn't see coming. This is not an ending I could have predicted or would have predicted or could even have predicted given the opportunity. I just, I love it when an author surprises me with the journey that he or she takes me on. Memories as meals. I remember my mother's shrimp fried rice. She wasn't a great cook. Um, my mom, but she did a couple of things really, really superb. Like her shrimp fried rice was amazing. Her tacos were brilliant. Um, her spaghetti, you know, which we had like once a week when I was a kid, you know, my grandmother's sausage. My grandparents lived on a farm outside of Kansas City, Missouri, and, and they had cows and pigs. And my grandmother's sausage was a combination of the beef and the pork that they raised on their property. And it was just like the spices that my grandmother used in the in 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 her sausage recipe. I've been chasing that flavor for 40 years, trying to recreate that sense of being in Amami's kitchen and how safe it was, um, how good it smelled and and how right everything with the world was. You know, um, meals in Africa, meals in Italy, meals in Japan. I had my first escargot in Japan, in Tokyo, at the hotel. The restaurant was called Ciel Bleu. And I had escargot snails for the first time, drenched in butter and garlic. Oh, my God. Life-changing experience. Um, first time I had sushi. Um, within the sushi experience, the first time I had uni. Hated it. Five years later, love it. How does that happen? I don't know. Our tastes change, apparently. I used to drink scotch because all my uncles drank scotch. Then one, one night when I was a teenager, I got rip-roaring drunk on, what was I drinking? CC? Canadian Club, CC and Seven. Oh my God, I get nauseous at the thought of CC and Seven. I got so drunk that night, I threw up all over everything. I haven't been able to drink scotch since. Irish, love Irish whiskey. Tequila, yeah, rum, bring it on. Scotch, not so much. <sighs> Memory is locked in flavor. Memories like the scotch I guzzle down. It was ugly. I was sickly the way I was. What? <laughs> what?
Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is the best in the business, Julia Smith, with associate producer credits going to Kristen Torres. Our editing and sound design today by Adam Dybert. And my great and undying thanks to N.K. Jemison for allowing me to read her story. Her new collection from Orbit Books is How Long Till Black Future Month. And... Hey, can I suggest something to you all? If you like the show, I'm thinking you may know someone else who might enjoy it. So why not recommend an episode to a friend? And while you're at it, why not also leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts? And why not include a story suggestion for us? We read them and we use them. We'll be back next week with another hand-picked story, or if you can't wait that long... Well, you can indulge in the next episode right now and also exclusive bonus author interviews all on Stitcher Premium. Each story goes up one week early and it's ad-free. Just go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar or if you're listening in Stitcher, just tap the menu button in your app and select Premium for one month free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher our supervising producer is Josephine Marjorana. Our executive producers are Chris C.B. Bannon and yours truly, LeVar Burton. I'm LeVar Burton, and you can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. Still waiting for that guy to give me my name back. I'll stop complaining and see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.